Please turn with me in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verses 14 and 15. Two verses. See if we can learn some things that will help us in our quest to seek to be biblical churches. First Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. And I want to speak this evening a little bit on what I have entitled the local church in God's redemptive program or purpose if you want. The local church in God's redemptive purpose. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. For those of us who believe in God, we believe that God works according to a set plan and purpose. As one songwriter puts it, God never moves without purpose or plan. So God works according to a set plan and purpose. We see this traced out for us under both covenants. Under the old covenant, the New Testament, God chose a nation to be his special people. He dealt with Israel, whom he had chosen from among the other nations all the nations of the world. Israel, as we know, failed to abide by the terms of the covenant and was set aside as a nation. So God established, as it were, a new covenant with his son. And under the new covenant, God is going about among the nations, as the apostle Peter spoke of in Acts chapter 15, God is going about among the nations, calling a people for himself, a people chosen in Christ and redeemed by him to be his special people. And that includes all believers throughout the world. This innumerable host of believers is called the church. We speak of the church universal. And so this universal body of people that is called the church are people who have been chosen by God, regenerated by the Spirit, and drawn to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But as we read the New Testament, we discover that the, the great majority, I think, more than 90% of the references to the church in the New Testament are not to the universal church. It is, they are to the, they refer to the local church. All of the letters that the apostles wrote to the churches were not written to, quote-unquote, the universal church. They were written to local churches. The church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the churches of Galatia and in Berea, all over the place, they were written to 
local bodies of believers in particular places, towns and cities and villages in certain parts of the world with regard to who Christ is and how they must conduct themselves as his people. So this universal body of redeemed people that we call the universal church is reflected in and represented by organized groups of believers referred to as the local church. Those lo- these local churches play a vital role in God's redemptive purpose and is his and are his representatives in the community. That's something I think sometimes we do not realize or haven't grasped, grasped maybe. That not only is there a universal body of believers throughout the world that we call the universal church, but that that universal church is represented by local churches. So where in, I am in my part of the world in St. Lucia, and some of you in Martinique and others in Antigua and some in Barbados, although we are part of that universal body of Christ that, that is called the church, we must remember that the local, each local church in its community plays a vital role in God's redemptive purpose and is his representative in the community. My church represents Christ. I don't know if yours does. <laughs> but mine does. I am not only a part of the universal church. And you hear much about this today. Because there are many Christians who do not want to commit to the local church. You heard them talking about, well, I am a member of the universal church. Well, I want to say to you this evening, if you are a member of the universal church, please remember that you can't see the universal church, but you can see the local church, and that local church represents Christ in the community. And therefore, each one of us should be delighted that we are part of a local body of believers. We'll come to this shortly. The Apostle Paul writing here to Timothy, and we know Timothy was the presiding elder or superintending pastor of the church at Ephesus there, and he's writing to give Timothy guidance and instruction with regard to the life and ministry of the local church there at Ephesus. And one of the principles that the Apostle lays down for the church, its leaders and, and, and members alike, was that people must, the members of the church, must know how to conduct themselves in God's house. We just sang about God's house a while ago. And that's exactly what the Apostle is referring to. Paul's statement here therefore demonstrates the significance of the local church as Christ's representative in the community and its role in society. You, know what, you, you notice what he says in the text. If I, if I tarry long, he says, I, I want you to know how you, Timothy, and others, how you ought to behave yourself. Now this word, how to behave yourself, doesn't have to do whether you chew gum in church and stuff like that, okay? <laughs> or whether you talk during the sermon, you really shouldn't be doing those things, but that's not what he's referring to here. What the apostle is doing here is that he's describing a believer's lifestyle. He's speaking of our character and conduct as believers in Christ, as part of the, as members of the local church, especially in our relationships. 
And what he means, therefore, is that a Christian's character as a member of the local church must be of the highest quality and his relationships must be based on utmost sincerity. So the lesson is clear. In order for the local church to preserve its integrity as Christ's representative in the community and to be effective in its ministry in the world, its members, you and I, leaders and local members alike, must be mindful of the collective position as believers in Christ and careful of their behavior as those who have been called by God. That's what Paul means when he talks about behaving ourselves, making sure that our conduct conform to the principles and precepts of God's word. So Paul's description of the local church then, in the passage before us, emphasize some important aspects of the life and existence of the church, the local church. First of all, in, in the passage we will note that Paul speaks of the dignity of the church. You have many people knocking the church about, and even people with, I think one of the worst things that happens to the, the local church today is that its own members denigrated, bring it down, seek to destroy it. How can we be a part of a local church and seek its demise? If we are part of a local church and we understand the nature of the church and what it's about with all of its faults and failures and ups and downs and struggles, we will not seek the ruin and destruction of the church. We will promote its growth. We will seek its development and its progress and its success in ministry. The church is not so much about us we'll come to it in a while it's about what we are in Christ it's what God himself has made us so even though, and you know why the church is imperfect, you know why the church has so many faults and failures because you're there that's why that's why, because we are here and so many times we are believers, what? finding fault I find it's a very painful thing. So we look at its dignity, and you hear what the apostle, it tells us what the church is. You hear what he says? It is the house of God. Not the building. I'll explain this shortly. The second thing we see, it's its derivation. How the church comes into being. This local church. And it, it, what, what it, it Paul is, is showing us is that the church comes from God. I know he wants us to be church planters, but you and I know very well that we can never be successful in church planting unless the Lord blesses the work we do. Amen. I have people calling themselves church planters, and I understand what we mean, but let us remember this that we must not take the credit for being successful at church planting in any way, shape, or form. All the glory, all the credit must go to God because the church came from Him and the church belongs to Him. Amen. I think we need to understand this. That is you and me. 
And the third thing we see is the duty of the church as far as this text is concerned. The apostle, what is the church ought to be doing? What does your church do? I have been talking to members of my church about my dissatisfaction with the things that we do, the things we're not doing. So we just turn over stuff. We just come to church on a Sunday morning and, you know, we go through the motions of our religion and so on and so forth. And what are we doing really? Well, Paul says, you know what? We are the pillar and ground of the truth. And it doesn't mean that we're just standing there. It, what the idea is that the church's role in the world is to support and to promote the truth. That's it. You know, people have all kinds of ideas. What is the church doing? What the church ought to be doing is to stand upon the truth and proclaim the gospel to a lost world. Because it doesn't matter how many social programs you implement, how much money you give to people, how much education you stuff into their heads, they still are sinners, lost and undone, without Christ on their way to hell, and all the stuff they have will never bring them redemption. God has provided that through Jesus Christ, and this ought to be our message as churches. I know there are other things that we have to be doing, but I think sometimes we, we forget our role. And we let the room, we let the world and the government and society, the people who don't bother with the church, who have all kinds of negative things to say about the church, we allow them to set the pace for us. I'm not here to follow any government dictator. I'm not here to listen to what the society says the church ought to be. I know what the church ought to be because God has revealed it in his word. And my responsibility is to submit to the authority of scripture regardless of who's talking about the church. And what it ought to be doing. So here Paul, to Timothy, he speaks of the dignity of the church. Notice what he says about this church. First Timothy 3, 14, if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Now this house does not refer to a building. Now the word is used that way sometimes, but obviously Paul is not referring to the building. He is referring, this, this word refers to the persons that form a family. So I'm sure you get the picture right away. That the church is a family. It is the family of God. It is a household. A better translation. The context of it here demonstrates that this refers to the local church. Paul is not speaking here of the universal church. We may apply it that way. But he is speaking of the local church. That body of believers in Christ at Ephesus, in a particular locality in the world, who join, who have come together, who have committed themselves to God and to each other for worship, for fellowship, and for ministry. I think this, is, this teaches us a vital lesson about the local church. The local church, and, and, and I, I trust this will help us. The local church is not merely a voluntary association of freewheeling, loosely attached individuals acting without regard for rules and regulations. 
There are people who are not part of the church in their mind. They go to church. The, the general approach to church today is a, bi- a building to which you go and uh, have some fun. Put a few dollars in the offering if you can. Say hi to a few folks if you want to bother with them. And some people don't even bother. <laughs> and then go home. And church is finished. We come back next Sunday morning. We forget prayer meeting. We forget Bible study. We forget evangelism. We forget ministry. We forget everything about church until Sunday. I have to go to church today. Sometimes we forget it Sunday. That's how loosely attached we are to the church today. I I think that for the believer in Christ, the church of which we are members, members must play a special, a central role in our lives as Christians. Yes, a central role in our lives as Christians. Why? Because it is God's household. Let me ask you a question. Which house is the most important house in your community to you? Tell me, man. Where's your house? You're going to go to other people's house and take care of their house for them, right? Are you not bothering with your house? When you come from a we just walk by your house, right? You don't care what furniture you have, where there's food, you, you don't bother about the house. But that's the approach, you know, that's the approach we take to the local church. May I remind you this evening, brethren, that Paul tells us that the church is God's household. You know what that means? It means that it is God's family. And that is true universally. But let me remind you again this evening that this universal body of believers is reflected in and represented by local churches. So the church is not merely a a group of people who come together and do their stuff without any concern or regard for God and His Word. Rather, they see themselves as the people of God who come together to do the things that honor and glorify God and their Savior Jesus Christ. We read the New Testament and we cannot fail to see this. Paul talks about the glory in the church, the local church, to the the Christians at Ephesus. So this family is a body of people in Christ who are being built up by God and indwelt by Him through the Spirit. You hear the words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Christians at Ephesus. Let me turn there and ask you to turn with me. I'm doing the old King James. That's what we know, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. You hear the words of the Apostle. Let me read the, the passage. 19 to 22, Ephesians chapter 2. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, 
That's outside the commonwealth. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household. Here is the word. The house. The household. The family of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. In the same way that God indwells the church universally, every believer everywhere that makes up that body, he indwells the local church as well because those people are people who have been regenerated by the operation of the Spirit. So God is building His church. And He dwells the church with the Spirit. That's universally. But that church is reflected, or the local churches are a picture of the universal church. John Calvin has an important, interesting statement about this. He says, There are good reasons why God should call the church His house. For not only has he received us as his children by the grace of adoption, but he himself dwells in the midst of us. Unquote. So may I say to you this evening that the local church is God's house. Not the building, but the people. We are God's family. He gave us life. He made us his children. He's our father. So I want to say to you this evening, brethren, that if you are a member of a local church, appreciate that fact because you did not come into the church by your own self. You are brought into the church by God himself. Appreciate your church. I'm sure your family has issues. Well, I think <laughs> Husband, wife, children, father, parents We have issues in our families But we are still family We still love each, we still love each other you know, I was telling my wife of a family That I know very well You know, they are, they are always at each other's throat But boy Don't you dare touch one of them Because if you want to see an army come together In a second, touch one of them because they understand the principle of family. And I want to say to you this evening, brethren, that if you are a member of a local church, you must see that local church as the house of God, as the household of God, as the family of God, and to count it a privilege and to be thankful that not only has the Lord saved you by his grace but by his grace he has chosen a body of believers within which to place you I was telling our folks I think was it last Sunday I was saying you know what I, I thank God for bringing for putting me in this church you all are such a bunch of wonderful people <laughs> You know what, I'm not so wonderful myself sometimes. So I understand what goes on in churches. But I want to say to you this evening, when you start thinking of the faults of your church and the needs and the failures and the struggles and, and you might become frustrated, remember one thing. It is his family. 
is a family of God. So, the quality of a church then is not to be measured by the size of the congregation. You know, we are hung up on this these days, eh? With this prosperity gospel thing and this hype all over the place. And, and many people are leaving good Bible, solid Bible teaching churches to go to places where they get nothing for their souls and they have to give everything up that they have. <laughs> the quality of a church is not to be measured by the size of the congregation, the appeal of its services, the attractiveness of its programs, or the charisma of its leaders. The, the quality of a church must be measured by the character of its members, whether those people have been truly regenerated by the Spirit of God and are endeavoring to live for Him. We are taken up with what's happening around us today. The temptation is there for us to go in that direction. But let's remember, don't measure the church by how many people it has. What kind of programs it, it, it puts on, who its preachers and teachers are, but whether it is a body of people who have been truly regenerated by the Spirit of God and are demonstrating it in the way they conduct themselves in the world. So, call it a privilege. Before you go home tonight, get on your knees and say, Lord, Thank you not only for saving me, but for putting me in the church where you placed me. Hallelujah. Say amen, man. Some of you are not so sure about that yet. <laughs> Let's come to the second point. <laughs> so, which the church is dignity? God's family. Uh, and <laughs> I know we are sovereign grace people, but I wonder sometimes if we really understand what that means. That God should save a sinful soul as I. How wonderful is love like this. But he has not only saved me. He has placed me in the church. In the local church. And given me gifts and talents. And provides opportunities and means. By which I a sinner. Could serve that holy and righteous God. I keep reminding the members of the Deliverance Baptist Church. That when we come to worship God, we, one thing we must always remember, that we are never at a place where we are sufficiently worthy to worship God. Now you, you may contradict me on this, we can have a discussion on it. We are never worthy enough to worship God. We worship God because He is worthy of our worship. That's the answer to, to proper worship. When I come before God and examine myself, I know that I'm not worthy to worship Him. But I want to worship Him because I know that He is worthy for who He is and for all that He has done for me in Jesus Christ. If we would approach worship this way, we wouldn't have to plead and beg people to come to church. If you know who God is and what He has done in your life, you'll want to be in church every day to worship Him. Throughout your life, you'll want to worship Him. Because he is worthy. The second thing I want to say about the church is not only its dignity, what makes the church what it is. Let the world pull down the church, let the world denigrate the church, let the world besmirch the church's character. It doesn't matter. The church is the family of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's something else, closely related, but notice what Paul says. Not only is the church the household of God, as he describes it, he also shows us that it is the church of the living God. What does he mean by that? Well, this speaks of the church's derivation. And by this, I simply mean that the church has its origin in God Himself. <laughs> Not just the universal church, but the local church as well. I told you at the beginning that, by way of introduction, that God works always according to a plan and purpose. And wherever gospel preaching churches find themselves, wherever biblical churches are located, we must realize that God's hand was at work in planting that church in that particular place. It is the church of the living God. It has its origin in Him and it belongs to Him. Amen. I know there are people in churches who think it's their church. <laughs> I don't know what it's like for you. When I go to our church, those of you from deliverance, close your eyes now. I, I, I make this kind of thing. I said, hey, <laughs> there are people who thought they had a right to certain places and positions and so on because, you know, they have been here so long and it's their church and the former pastor allowed this and that and the other. So let them. I said, excuse me. We want this church to be guided by the word of God. It's not my church now. It's my church, of course. <laughs> and I love my church. You guys are a part of it. That's the only way I see it. That I'm a part of this. And so it's mine in that sense. But not mine in the sense that I control it and the stuff belongs to me. That I can do as I please. That's contrary to scripture too. Brethren, the church does not belong to a family. And if I dare to say to us as pastors, it doesn't belong to us either. We have a responsibility from God to guide it according to His Word. It doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to a clique or a group. It doesn't belong to anyone. It didn't come out of anyone. <laughs> it belongs to the Lord. In fact, the word church, as I'm sure many of you will know, means those who have been called out. It was used in the days of the, in the ancient world, days of Paul and Jesus and so on, as a secular word. When there was a city council, a council meeting among the Greeks, a herald would be sent out, someone would, would be sent out to call the citizens to the place where the meeting was being held so they could hear what's happening and contribute to it. When the Bible, when the New Testament refers to the church, it is speaking of 
a group of people who have been called out and away from the world that they might serve Christ. Not just universally, but locally. And that's what God is doing. This is what the church is about. What God is doing today is that He is planting churches. <laughs> he is calling people out from the world in different communities, towns and villages and cities and neighborhoods and countries of the world and bringing them together that they might reflect His glory and be a witness to His saving grace. You hear in Acts chapter 2, when the church began on the day of Pentecost, we read these words. And they continuing daily, this is 46, 46 and 47, talking about the new believers. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, all those who were being saved. So the Lord is the one who adds to his church. It's his church, amen? There are people you and I might not add to the church, you know. <laughs> But it's not our church. It's God's church. He's the one who has chosen his people. He's the one who redeemed them by the death of his son. He's the one who calls them by his spirit. And he's the one who adds them to the church. So it is God's prerogative to bestow the grace of salvation on sinners and to add members to his church. And you notice in the text, there's a quite insightful thought brought out by, I think, John's thought on this passage. He says, God does not add people to the church without saving them. So as Baptists, you know, we believe in a saved or regenerate church membership. You believe that? Yes? Do we still believe that? Some of you are not so sure. <laughs> God does not add people to the church without saving them, nor does he save them without adding them to the church. There are people who have a kind of freelance, loose kind of Christianity around the place. Listen man, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the best association in which you must find yourself is the local church. It will help you. It's for your growth, for your development, for your strengthening, for your walking with Christ. So he added them to the church, the Bible tells us. So what do we note here is that what we note here is that salvation and church membership belong together and I say we ought not to separate them. I had people I had a friend of mine who used to, used to come to our church and she wanted to get baptized and said, Pastor, you know, I give my life to Christ, I want to get baptized. I said, Okay, well we get together and have a baptismal class. Why well, do I don't want all that? I said, so what do you want? Well, I just want you to come, baptize me, and um, that's it. I said, no, that's not going to work that way. I said, if you get baptized, you'll have to, have to help you understand what it means to be a Christian and what baptism entails. Well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't want to join any church. I said, well, you know, I know we are very good friends, but I can't baptize you. 
Because I am baptizing anybody and just let them go so. No, I'm not doing it. Now you can do it, that's okay. I, I understand. But that's I, I, I'm not here to baptize people. Just so. I'm here to see that people come to know the Lord first of all, get baptized, join the church, walk for him, walk with him, and live their life for him and serve him. Because if you don't bring yourself into the local church, it means that you can do anything you want. I'm not going to baptize people, let them go and do whatever they want. I think it's unbiblical. Salvation and church membership belong together. The local church came from God. It is the church of the living God. It has its origin from Him and therefore it belongs to Him. Moreover, you will not know that the apostle describes this church as belonging to the living God. What does he mean? Well, he's making a comparison between the true God and those dumb idols that the heathen worshipped. They served a dumb and powerless God. But the church, the God of the church is a living God. He's well alive. (laughs) Furthermore, he is the God who sovereignly powerfully and actively works out his purpose in and through the church. I want to remind you this evening that no matter what is happening in the world today and what is happening in churches and what is happening even in our church sometimes, the God of the church is still alive. He knows what's going on. He still guides his church. He still works on behalf of his church and we must trust him to bring his purpose to a to, to an end. To accomplish his purpose in us. I know we apply Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 and say, He who has begun a good work in you will perform it. You know, we apply this individually, man, we must apply it collectively. In the same way, God will accomplish his purpose in me. To the end, I want to assure you that he will accomplish his purpose in and through the local church. And what we are to, to do. As, as the people of God is to be faithful to his word God is the one who gives life to the church he blesses the church he inspires the church and guides the church and preserves the church and grows the church it's his church and he's alive the desperate need therefore I think of the modern church is for you and I as Christians to realize that the church belongs to God and we must therefore seek to be guided by what he has revealed in his word and if the church belongs to God and it does members of the church must remember this and must seek one thing they must seek the the glory of God in the church's life Worship and ministry. If it is his church and it belongs to him, our goal and aim must not be the exaltation of any person but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. So I come to the final point the duty of the church. So we have sin's dignity, 
house word of God its derivation it came from God and therefore belongs to him what is the church to be doing today well Paul tells us verse 23 he says it is the pillar and ground of the truth amen the pillar and ground of the truth we are not here to propagate man's ideas and philosophies and all that man we are here to preach the word of God <laughs> promote it practice it in our lives that's what we are here to do somebody asked me what is your church doing <laughs> I said what my church is doing exactly what it's supposed to do I'm telling you I take a very strong stand on this I'm not going to let people tell me what the church should be doing it's a bunch of rebellious sinners who, who, who know more about the church than you and I do as believers in Christ and we cower before them we, we, we allow them to take advantage of us and, you know, I, I, I dare not stand yes. Yes. the world never leaves the church until something goes wrong in society right. oh look at our young people going astray what is the church doing what well, the church doing what? The church must preach the gospel to our young people so that the Spirit of God will change their hearts and change their lives so they will not go into the foolishness they are doing with themselves. Don't misunderstand me now. I'm not saying we shouldn't have programs. I'm not saying that. That's, that has its role and its place in their lives. But we must not. We must understand what the man's what man's problem is. Unless you understand the problem, unless you diagnose it properly, you will not be able to prescribe the proper medication. And we always think people need all kinds of stuff. But, and here are we as believers, knowing what God has done in our lives, and we think that something else will take care of the problem. We must stand on the truth of the word of God. So we come to this final point. The duty of the church. Paul says it is the pillar and ground of the truth. So the church must uphold the truth. The church's role in the world is to support and to uphold biblical truth. That's, that's, that's the idea behind this pillars and ground. Pillars were, 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 were means of support to a building, especially in the holding of the roof. And the ground speaks of the buttress that, that kept the building firm and strong. So when the earthquake comes, it can withstand the shocks. I'll tell you something, the only thing that will keep the church going in the right direction is the word of God. That's it, you know. The word of God. The truth. This truth refers to God's revelation in the scriptures. As, as Jude tells us, it is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And so what do we have here? We have each local church in its locality, me in Cicero, St. Lucia, Central in Antigua, Faith in Tortola, Evangelical Baptist in um, with here, Sally. Wherever we may find ourselves, we must see, we must take our responsibility 
as members of the local church where we are to support and promote the truth by witnessing to its truthfulness that is the propagation of the gospel and by demonstrating its principles in our lives as believers in Christ so we support the truth in two ways we support the truth by preaching it and we support the truth by practicing it You know, sometimes as Christians, we, I was saying earlier, we find fault with the church and, uh, and you will discover much of the time the people who find fault with the church and all its this and that and the other are the people who refuse to practice the truth in their lives. When you see a man or woman starting to find fault with the church and the pastor, blah, 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 grumbling and so on, you do check out their lives. Because you may well discover that they are failing in certain aspects of their lives where the truth is concerned and now they are looking for an excuse so we are all in the same boat when we ain't not in this sense because some of us are endeavoring to live for the Lord and if you know what, if you're not endeavoring to live for Christ if you're going astray, if you're going wrong you know what to do as a Christian you need to come back and bring yourself under submission to the authority of scripture And some of us give them, give them our heads. <laughs> we lend them our heads to listen to all the junk. It's nonsense. I have a strict group of people from other churches who come and talk to me. I tell them, go and talk to your pastor or elder. And I'll call them up and say, you know, this person spoke to me. <laughs> I, say, I think actually your elder should know about this. It's important. Let me close this then. So what should the church be doing? Well, the church must be committed to declaring the whole counsel of God. The whole truth, like we say, and nothing but the truth. The church must defend the truth against attacks of those whose teaching come from the father of lies and members of the church must promote the truth in their lives by practicing biblical principles. The abiding significance of the lesson taught by the apostle, says one Bible writer, Bible commentator, is that unless the church is careful to maintain a faithful ministry, it will be impossible to maintain its faith in Christ. Unquote. It is our duty, therefore, as members of the local church, to understand the nature of the church. We must apprehend the nature of the church that it is the household of God and we must seek by the grace of God to support the church and to encourage one another as members of the same family in our lives and service. I will never advise you to get out of the church. It's a bad church. Well, there are some bad ones. But, but I will advise you to see how you might help your church become a better church. Amen? Secondly, not only must we apprehend the nature of the church as the household of God, we must appreciate the significance of the church and our place in it. With all of its what's and all, it is God's church. And he put me in there. 
maybe one of the wards myself. <laughs> but he put me in there. And I must therefore endeavor to sustain the life of the church and support its ministry by my active participation. And finally, acknowledge the role of the church in the world. And that role we saw just a few minutes ago is to promote the gospel, to preach the gospel, to promote the things of God. So acknowledge the role of the church in the world and contribute to its witness by holding firmly to the truth, don't deviate from it, and by faithfully practicing it in your life as a believer. And may God give us the grace to do so. Amen.